Celtics Reddit podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics, they drop game one after a strong showing from the Giannis-led Milwaukee Bucks. Pretty surprising, I think, even for the defending champs. Joining us to talk all about it, Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, how you doing, sir? Not too bad. I'm I'm a bit tired. It was an early start for both of us, I think. Right? (laughs) 3 a.m. game here in in Australia. Um, Jackson, you, you've caught the the replay more recently under under fresher eyes. I hear. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. I did I did watch it earlier, but yeah, not quite three a.m. early. So we'll, we'll go with that. But um, uh, yeah, um, disappointed. I mean, how can you not be? Um, going into it, obviously everyone was optimistic. I don't think we had the chance to officially discuss who who we had and whatnot. But I was going Celtics in six. Um. I'm reevaluating that as we speak, but at the same time, like I didn't think it was disastrous by any stretch either. What do you, what do you think? Well, yeah, I was allowing some pretty cheeky thoughts to roll around my head over the last few days. And after we, how we dominated Kevin Durant and the Nets, you know, mm. I was thinking Celts in five, you know, we might never lose again. Celts in four. Like I would never say this out loud. No Middleton. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the, the pathway is there for the Celtics. And then, the Bucks come out and show us what a real team looks like. So I think it's a good mm. place to start. The Celtics they lose one hundred one to eighty nine. Jackson, like I said, we'll start with the Bucks. Like, what did they do to get the Celtics all out of sorts? What are your thoughts on just how they discombobulated the Celts? My my basic understanding of it is, and I think it boils down to the fact that we had twenty eight made field goals and 18 of them were threes yeah <laughs> which I, I don't know that doesn't seem like it happens almost ever so that, uh, yeah it, that's nuts that's it was ridiculous crazy. yeah and like i'm pretty sure three of those 10 non-threes were in the first quarter maybe even four so yeah s- stupidly weird game um but yeah you, you're right the bucks i think i think what it boils down to is they just weren't letting us get anything in the paint or inside um forced threes which some went down but you know if you're not getting anything other than threes and like the odd free throw um it's not gonna go well um and I think, you know, Giannis is Giannis was probably somewhat inefficient, impacts the game on both ends still. So, um, yeah, it was a bit of a reality check, man. Bit of a, a, we've, we've all been riding a bit high, you know, probably for the last two months. And I think this is the first time we've really got that twinge of adversity. Definitely. Do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think if you had to describe the game, like sort of tactically speaking, in 30 seconds, elevator pitch style, you'd say it pretty much went exactly as advertised, right? The Bucks. The rim protection was unreal. They gave up a lot of three-point looks. Like we've all we've listened to all the podcasts, we've watched all the pregame stuff. We we know by now yeah. if we didn't already the Bucks, their defense typically tempts you to shoot those threes. We took them, we missed them, <laughs> and looked a lot like the December Celtics in the process. In in terms of a lot of those one-pass shoot, uh, which is exactly what the the Bucks are trying to lure you, lure you into. So. Um, I don't think that the Celtics will miss that many threes, you know, um, subsequently in game two and, and further in the series. But it was disappointing to see us be uh, tempted into old habits, I suppose. What do you think, Jackson? 
Yeah. Um, because the weird thing is it started really, really well. There was, uh, the, I think the first possession, we force a turnover from Giannis after doubling him. We go up by, I think, eight points on an 8-0 run. We're getting points in the paint. We're causing them to make all the turnovers. And I was just like, this is going to be, this is going to be fine. This is like business Delta as usual. Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we just let go of the rope towards the end of the first quarter. Ended up like giving it, like going in behind. And then the turnovers started piling up. Jalen Brown's disaster class went to a new level, which I'm sure we'll get into in depth. Seven turnovers. What? Yeah. It, it felt like they were all just coming like at that time too. And it, sadly it didn't. They, they, they continued. Um, and then I even felt like in the third quarter, we're probably still in it. That's maybe when some of like the ref, the, the, the officiating started to go against us. And then you, you can get a little bit fired up, at least from that. You're not getting like, you know, humiliated, dominated. And in the fourth quarter, we just couldn't, hit a shot to save our lives to begin with and they just pulled away and it was done. So it's it was... I felt like each quarter had its own sort of narrative going, but it, it always ended up with Milwaukee just being the better team. Yeah, and it felt like the Celts were always within striking distance and, and got some pretty good open licks. Uh, looks. Looks. Uh, namely, Which we from, had more good licks. Yeah. <laughs> some open <laughs> looks, terrible. namely from Peyton Pritchard, who has been great mm. in those sort of spot minutes and just coming off the bench cold and, and hitting those threes. But I think he took eight of them in the game tonight and or last night and just couldn't hit any of them. And it's kind of no. sad, you know, on one hand that we... I, well, the only hand, really, that we actually needed that from Peyton Pritchard. Like, we, we needed Peyton Pritchard to win this game, essentially, is what it came down to in terms of the shots that the the Bucks were allowing us they knew that we knew that they knew that it feels evil to think about now like they knew what they were doing and they they succeeded and uh and the Celtics lost the game there's a comment from a reddit user Aha Ramirez who said the people are going to complain about the threes but we basically have to make them because we can't score inside um it's in stats here for you Jackson Celtics shot 36% from three which is like kind of average-ish fine um, yeah and I think some late makes from Jalen Brown bumped those numbers up a little bit it wasn't mm. like that it wasn't that good smart was one of six from three which is a problem I, I just felt like he was gunning a little bit too hard and not necessarily like he's been great shooting from the corner but these above the break threes with like sort of just a glimpse of space uh that's what the bucks want you to do man so i just didn't think that that was uh a, a great part of the game and he needs to be more cognizant of that going into game two the Celts shot six of nine from corner threes, which is great, but then 12 mm. of 40 from elsewhere beyond the three-point arc, which is obviously terrible. 10 of 22 at the rim and 0 of 12 from the short range to mid-range range, which uh, those are the shots they're giving up. We have to hit those shots. We're going to get into the adjustments uh, a little bit later, um, but that's just unsustainable. And if the Celtics want to get anywhere in this series beyond being swept, the Celtics, they made... The fewest two pointers in team history today with ten. The previous low was that's wild. Fourteen against Toronto in twenty sixteen. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely nuts. Like ever. Yeah, and <sighs> and a huge part of that is the Bucks' rim protection. So the Lopez, yep. Brooke Lopez. There was one example where he blocked Robert Williams, and it felt like I don't know, like he'd just like <laughs> pulled our pants down on the court or something. Like he, you know, blocked the Time Lord, right? The Time Lord blocks you, and Brooke Lopez yeah. is like a. Um, a physically impressive, like, specimen, but he seems goofy and, like, flat-footed and everything, and so to see him get up and actually block Robert Williams was um, kind of uh, disconcerting. 
Tatum, Brown, Smart, everyone struggled to get to the rim subsequently. And to finish up this little pile of stats here, Jackson, Kirk Goldsbury tweeted that the Celtics made their fewest two-pointers in team, team history today with 10. I think I'm actually repeating myself here. Previously, yeah, I am repeating myself. <laughs> I'm not it's worth that repeating. I'm leave that in. Ridiculous. It does bear repeating. Ridiculous. This team's around since the 50s. Like, right? <laughs> yeah, this is happened. insane. Yeah, it's never happened before. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself by like segueing into things that like make us feel good or like can feel optimistic, but like that won't happen again. Sure. Like, I don't give a shit how good your rim protection is. No, there's going to be other opportunities for points, which the adjustments I'm sure we will cater to um, amongst some other things. But yeah, like in just the, those stats alone in a vacuum is just, it's, it's remarkable, remarkably bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe I'll fast forward a little bit and we can, we can come back and touch on some other stuff uh, a little bit later. We had a, a little segment that I was going to spin into expectations for game two. The segment's going to be called, it's going to be okay because dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Jackson, why is it going to be okay for game two? What are we going to change right. here? Let me, let me pick my list. Cause I've got a few down, you know, it'll, it'll, I'm sure it brings comfort to everyone that I've got a few reasons why um, <laughs> it should be good. Um, where shall I start here? Um, for everything we just talked about in terms of like, the shot profile, only taking threes, being deterred from the rim, etc. It was actually, even with that, it's still a very, very even game if you ignore points off turnovers or the the, the offense that they were getting in transition and mm-hmm. the turnovers. I think it was seven to one turnovers in the first quarter. And then we ended up making, I think seven more than them. So it was like in a, a huge disparity and in terms of turnovers from like the second quarter onwards. We've really just got to fix that up. And <laughs> yeah. I think the game is completely different. You don't let go of the rope at the end of the first quarter. Like no shit, we're up 10 and then went down three. So obviously that's that's going to be the, good enough for a win. But like just, just moments like that where... You know, I, I just I honestly think that just holding onto the ball and not committing as ma- as many turnovers, um, repeating myself now too, giving up as many transition points, <laughs> I think is going to be the key. <laughs> yeah, what, is that, we lost does that make game sense? We're like completely shook. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. No, I, yeah. So the Bucks had twenty eight points off turnovers against the Celtics twenty. Uh, they also had thirty four points in the paint. Uh, sorry. Bucks had 28 points off turnovers. The Celtics had eight points off turnovers, which is I was going to say, it was like seven or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, and yeah. then points in the paint, uh, the differential was 34 bucks, 20 Celtics. So, got to turn that around. Mm. Huge part of that was the just the raging perimeter defense by Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, Wesley Matthews, who I didn't think would be a factor. Hopefully, he won't be as the series progresses, but he certainly was in, in game one. Uh, and the near full court defense that they were um, just lunging on on Jalen Brown and, and Tatum and anyone who was attempting to be the ball handler for the Celtics and forcing those turnovers and even their their transition runs off rebounds were insane. Like they really just ran us off the court there and hounded us all the way up the court. You'd think it'd be an obvious adjustment for the team to make to sort of scheme against that kind of full court pressing um as the season progresses there. Okay, so in terms of what we can do better, in terms of why everything's going to be okay, uh, I'm just looking at my list here. We've already mentioned so many of them as well. It's crazy how we just default to like, this is why we should be happy. Yeah, um, it's the copium, man. Sweet. Yeah, it's the copium. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been mainlining it all day. <laughs> Don't expect us to shoot so poorly, I think, is is one. And, you know, the the Bucks do give up those, those looks from beyond the arc, but 
I do think that the Celtics need to move the ball as they have been since they found themselves since January and find great shots, not good shots. It's a cliche for a reason, but dribble, dribble, mm. dribble, screen, pass, shoot off one pass. Is, it's, not, it's not the sort of energy. It sounds sort of cosmically you know, bullshit or whatever, but you need better energy behind the ball and your ball movement to, to get better looks. And like a piece. The energy is shifting the wrong way if they play that <laughs> Exactly, way, it's yeah. downshifting. <laughs> so we need better ball movement. Uh, rather than shoot at the rim, and credit to Wayne Spoonie for this, he was calling this out in our, in our Slack, get like dribble up to like two steps back from Brook Lopez and then jack up the, I guess the floater. Don't try and dunk on him or lay up on him at the rim. He's going to contest that, and he's a, he's a great rim contester. You can still penetrate. You can still get beyond the perimeter defense and get into those pockets of space. But if you can get that shot up, you know, just before you reach the the Lopez zone, um, mm. for lack of a better term, I think that's that's where we're going to get some better looks that we weren't able to generate or, or weren't looking to generate in game one. Yeah. Um. What else, Jackson? What else? Why else is it going to be okay? Yeah, just quickly on that too. Like Tatum's got it in him to like just, you know, maybe he's going to have to settle for some like long twos or mid twos and stuff. It's not ideal. It's not pretty. But if it's enough to get like that kind of draw out or nullify Lopez to some degree, like Tatum's good enough to hit those shots now. And it's the playoffs. Like you need that kind of quality and class. And I think he's got it. So yeah, we'll probably, I think we'll be seeing more of that. Um, I, I guess it's time to address the the cadaver in the room. And that is, I, I surely Jalen Brown is not going to be this bad like ever again. <laughs> That's the, that's the worst Jalen Brown guy I think I've ever seen. I could I, I could be forgetting like something horrendous. Remind me, but that was that was gash. It was indeed very gash. I uh, certainly yeah. nothing in recent memory, and you know it's kind of easy to discount things from earlier in his career because he is still so young. Like he's not even mm. in his prime, so you don't look too far back in his career for terrible games. He didn't make the playoffs last year because he was injured, so therefore, officially his worst game ever, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's so. I, I guess there were concerns about about the hamstring, and like, if that's the case, then I almost like kind of want it to be because at least then that would almost like explain it. And you think if he just rested and could get better, anyway. Um, but you just look completely disengaged. Seven turnovers. Um, and it's so out of character and out of step with what he was doing in the Brooklyn series. Like, he wasn't gangbusters. It wasn't like peak Jalen Brown. But in particularly in the fourth quarter, like, he was hitting shots when it mattered. And ironically, I think he was hitting shots in the fourth this time. But, you know, we're already 16 down. And he had, you know, been the effort he had all game was just was just not there. I think he's going to bounce back. Like, he's, he's earned enough, like, clout and, you know, respect and, you know, belief and admiration from me. I could go on and on. I still love Jalen Brown. I'm confident he is going to bounce back. But... If it is the injury and that is the kind of Jalen Brown that we can expect to see, if not as bad, anything less than abhorrent would be an improvement, yep. but it won't be good enough. Yeah, so I'm mean, sticking with the current segment. I feel like one thing that we all share, we all have in common on this podcast is how like the devastating sort of day-to-day implications of a loss. The Celtics lose and like all days are ruined until the Celtics play and oh, win yeah. again. <laughs> Coming away from this one, you know, obviously it's a playoff series and so it's not like a sudden death situation. Did you feel as devastated walking away from this game one loss or did you kind of have that air of like, I, I feel like we have the adjustments in us to still pull this out? 
Yeah, I, it did take a little bit because it was it was a pretty dominant win in the end, yeah. um, and that is deflating. But when you get a chance to like sort of decompress and breathe and look at it objectively, like this is a poor comparison, but to what three years ago, second round, I'm pretty sure we beat Milwaukee on the home court by like twenty or something. Like Al Horford, like just turning Giannis into a cabbage. Like it just, it was easy. <laughs> and then steamrolled after that. And we all know what happened preceding. So not saying that's going to happen or anything like that is possible of, of happening, but I mean, it's game one. Hey, like adjustments happen. Like if we, the one thing that sucks about it, I know we're trying to be positive here. If like, it does make the next game must win. It does. Like yeah. two nil going into Milwaukee. Like forget it. That, that's, that's good night. I think. Um, but, but, I don't think we'll be as bad again. I think it was probably a little closer than maybe it seems. And to answer your question, yeah, once I've kind of talked myself into all of this, yeah, I feel I feel okay now. I, I feel fine about our chances moving forward. And I do believe we can make it 1-1. Yeah, I feel like our perception of playoff series based on our Nets experiences in the last two years have really ruined things for us. So we had a sweep of the Nets yeah. in round one. We were gentlemen swept by the Nets you know, last playoffs while we had a, mm. a really decimated team. And like your typical NBA playoff series against two really good teams should go like minimum six games. So yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of us. Like we could get swept. We could lose in five. But like losing one game here to the Bucks, to the like best player in the world, the defending champions, is not something that's out of the ordinary. And Emo Udoka was really confident in his post-game presses about the changes that the Celtics could make uh, and things that they could address going into game two. So we'll stick with that. My next everything's going to be okay point is we don't need to throw so many doubles or triples on Giannis. I think it's fine to help at the rim and, and Rob should be sort of the main candidate for that. But there are a couple of situations. I feel like Grant Williams got caught up on this a few times where we would send help to Giannis and... I felt like the defender on Giannis, whether it was Horford or Rob, were like, no, I'm good. Like, I've got this guy. He's, you know, I've got him pinned to the baseline. I've got this. You don't need to help off of Grayson Allen or Wesley Matthews or one of their other quite potent three-point shooters. Giannis had 12 assists in the end. Giannis is great. We should never discredit his individual ability, but I felt mm. like we opened him up to those assists more than we needed to, and I think we need to trust on our one-on-one defenders a little bit more. Like, why are we paying Al Horvath all of this money? You know, like, I, I just think yeah. that we need to make it harder on Giannis in different ways. So, I think there can be adjustments made there. And uh, in that sense, I feel like everything's going to be <laughs> all right. <laughs> Which yeah. is tough to say around Giannis. <laughs> any thoughts there or any other points you want to add? Yeah, no, no. I mean, like, historically, health has been very serviceable against Giannis. So, yeah, there could definitely be a few possessions where we, we could have probably stayed at home and maybe prevented a three and, and they add up. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I hope the adjustments will be, you know, they won't be too drastic. I feel, again, I kept coming back to the first, like, eight minutes or so of the game, but that was everything we were doing was fine there. Forcing turnovers, getting to the paint, you know, nullifying Giannis, like, without overcommitting or, you know, if you are going to overcommit, Make it work, um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure the adjustments will, um, will will see that not be exploited as much. Yeah, absolutely. Couple of Reddit comments here. One from Acrobatic Feedback. They say shooting 37% from three is basically as efficient as 55% from two. I don't get this idea that we are shooting too many. We lost the game from inside, 10 of 34 from two. I think that's maybe the third time I've said that now on this podcast, Jackson. <laughs> and turnovers leading to fast break points. And another comment from user I'm the King Sama. They say the team has responded all year long 
need to trust them and Ime was still better was still a better team than them without Middleton just need to stay composed and execute our potential so a couple of final points here from you Jackson as far as why everything's going to be okay why you're why you're confident heading into game two have you got anything else on your list there um, I'll just shoehorn this in. Like, I saw Drew Holiday make two pull-up transition threes today. Does that ever happen? Like, I don't watch enough Bucks to, to know if that's something that he's got in his repertoire. But it was just like, come on, man. Like, that 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 shit just felt, like, unfair. And it's, it's just one of those games where I think you just have to you just have to suck it up and move on because I don't think it was indicative of how we've been playing or the team that we currently are. Um, I think you are going to see, you know, a Jason Tatum that... that really tries to be like the best player on the court as futile as that might be if even if he tries even if he's like only second best by a little bit and everyone else can perform then we're definitely getting game game two yeah yeah i mean i hope you're right um just looking at these stats here points in the paint milwaukee 34 boston 20 fast break points 28 boston 8 which we touched on turnovers milwaukee 13 boston 18 and of course Giannis is 12 assists uh I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I did have to sort of scrape the barrel, barrel a little bit, I suppose, heading into this podcast as far as why we could feel better going into game two. There was a stretch of the game towards the end where first I thought Udoka should have pulled the starters, but then it became somewhat clear that maybe he was trialing things for game two already. And part of that, mm. there was a lineup where Rob was on the bench and it was Horford and Grant Williams on opposite corners. And then I think it was a Smart and Tatum pick and roll or a, or a Tatum and Jalen pick and roll or a pick and roll between one of the remaining players there, not Grant or not Horford. And with that spacing, with those two three-point shooting threats on, on the bigs there with Grant now, we were just getting a little bit more of a runway to the rim, just a little bit more room to maneuver as far as... And I think we did drive and kick outs on almost all of those plays. And they looked good. And the Bucks' lead was, was too high at that point for us to come back but they really in that stretch of time generated some good looks and I'm not saying that we need to you know bring Rob off the bench in game two but I do think we're going to see extended periods of time with that Grant and Al Horford as the only bigs spacing the floor lineup and then some like ball screens from whatever ball handler doesn't have the ball in their possession at the moment so if it's Tatum bringing the ball up then it's smart setting the screen or, or whatever it might be I do think we're going to see a little bit more of that. I think they, they found something there. Did you notice that at all? Or is there any, anything else that you saw them trial in, in game one that you think they might attempt in game two? Nah, man. I think I stopped paying attention. But <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's I'll, take, I'll take your word for it. That sounds really positive and really encouraging. So, like, I mean, if they were doing that and, you know, it's the kind of thing that they deem you know, worked well enough to try out and Budenholzer doesn't have a counter for it, then and shit, shit, yeah, I'll be all for that. Sorry, I'm looking at my phone. There was one other thing I think it's worth mentioning. You may we're gonna, you may have, potentially we're going to mention it already. Sure. But there is a stat that I think Spoons shared with us this morning about teams in game one. Oh, it was you, was it? It was yes, me, it was. yeah. <laughs> please share, please share that with us because this this made me feel this made me feel probably better than anything. Yeah, so this is a so I had two notes, Jackson, to like end the pod with, and you've you've hit them both already. So thanks for that. Hey, hey Kevin Pelton, this is what practice. <laughs> this is what practice happens. Yeah, Kevin Pelton uh, tweeted this out: the teams that win Game One on the road by double digits have gone two and ten in the series over the last decade. Do you know who those two teams are? 
Oh no, is it us? Where one of them, I believe. Oh yeah, um, against the Bucks two years yeah, ago. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So some interesting <laughs> implications there. And I think the other one might be the Wolves from this year. I, I haven't verified that, but I saw someone yeah. like reply to the tweet saying that. So interesting. But anyway, the point being is that, you know, we're fine, right? Like it's a, it's a game one loss in a best of seven series. We expect the response. We're, we're confident enough in what we've seen from the Celtics since early January this year that we expect them to come out and, uh, you know, address those finer points that we discussed and shoot better overall. Um, it's weird that Derek White was like the guy nailing threes today. That's just, you know, you can feel <laughs> the energy was off at that point. And, and that was like yeah. before things had gotten out of hand. It's like, hang on, like Derek White's making threes. Like that's, that's kind of weird, right? <laughs> so hopefully we can expect things to sort of just find their groove a little bit more in, in game two. And, um, and they'll be reminiscent of the Celtics that we have come to know and love. Um, I had a few more notes on the Bucks and why they sort of destroyed us. Uh, you mentioned Drew Holiday, who I want to touch on. He was outstanding. Like, he was scoring from everywhere. You mentioned the pull-up threes. He had a few catch-and-shoot yep. makes as well. He was getting into the paint and finishing with, like, these little push shots as well. And then his defense on Tatum and Brown and whoever he got matched up on on the other end was incredible and... Uh, we talked about going into this series that Drew Holiday, he's just not like the archetype, like for the second best player on a team, on a championship team. Did he show you anything tonight like to like refute that or, or to prove that? I, I feel like everything we saw from him was like he's very much could be the, the second yeah. best player on a championship team. I've never considered him the second best player on a championship team, no. But like, I mean, performance-wise, you know, in the absence of Middleton and you know being complimentary to Giannis and doing what you got to do, yeah, like it was, it was an incredible performance. Um, I, had, I had a good point, but I think I've I think I've forgotten it. Sorry, <laughs> we've been up since That's three right, no, a.m., so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's now, exactly. It's now yeah, nine p.m. F- for anyone listening. <laughs> yeah, we're going on fumes here, guys, but we do it out of love. Um, the very first Celtics, um, Celtics Bucks game of the year, I think he was like one for ten from three as well, too. So yeah. I don't, again, I don't watch him as closely enough to know whether it's been like you know an improvement or he's like this in the playoffs or whatnot. But no, nah, man, I've always rated Drew Holiday. Like I said, never rated him that highly, but you know he's he's a he's a, a solid solid player, man, and you know. Think about this. Like, we, we rolled Brooklyn without Time Lord, who, while he probably isn't the, the Drew Holiday equivalent or Chris Middleton equivalent, I should say, still, like, an important piece of what we do, like, to offense and, and defense. And, you know, it was there's a question mark with him out. Um, we didn't miss a beat. And it looks like the Bucks are that good of a team and Giannis is that impactful that it's probably not going to matter. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to just bring, you know, we're going to have to play to our maximum capabilities to our game plan. And I don't think it matters who's out there, like probably Sans Giannis. Like get rid of him and it, it's going to be a cakewalk as good as Drew Holiday is. With everyone else out there though, even without Middleton, like they're good enough to, to get through this series. Hey, So we got to, yeah, we got to, we, it probably starts with nullifying Holiday as much as you can Giannis as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a wake-up call for the Celtics. There's, and I think we've touched on everything the Bucks did well, and everything the Celtics can do better to respond. It was, it's clearly a bad game from the Celtics, just independent of everything the Bucks did. Yeah. The Celtics just played poorly, and like they did get some decent looks. We talked about like the setup for those looks wasn't how we like them to be, but they they did have some open shots. You expect those to go down, and you expect the Celtics to adjust accordingly. 
just wondering if there's anything else to touch on here. Like I, you know, <laughs> I've run out of notes, I suppose, Jackson. We kind of have jumped all over the page a little bit. Well, let me ask you this: Is there any Celtic from today's game that you thought played well? Overall, I mean, Tatum wasn't bad by any stretch. He was quiet to start with. Like it was apparent, it was apparent that the Heat and Brown were struggling to begin with. But I felt like he came into the game a little bit more. Um, I mean, we've touched on white hitting threes, but beyond that, there was nothing really anything, you know, groundbreaking. I suppose Horford was decent. He started out well. When he was hitting threes to start with, I thought, oh, baby, like this is this is the key here. Like if we can get this happening. Um, but he probably didn't do enough beyond that. Actually, he missed a lot of threes now that, I, now that I think about it. So, yeah, man, I'm not too sure. I'd probably say Tatum. Yeah, Horford was who I had, like 12 points, only two turnovers, which in such a high turnover game is worth mentioning. Mm. Two blocks, a steal, three assists, ten boards, and was four of nine from three. So the same as Tatum. I almost put money. Yeah, I wasn't so bad then. Almost yeah. put money on the first basket of the game being an Al Horford three because all the talk oh, leading up into like, <laughs> and it was, and all the talk leading up into yeah. like how the Celtics would get into their offense was like drive and kick. We're going to benefit from Horford's three point shooting. Like he's been great heading into the season. And like the first play. First points of the entire game, entire series was an Al Horford three. So, uh, I guess the lesson there is that I need to be more of a, a ruthless gambler. Um, there were yeah. some health scares in this game. We'll run through them very quickly. Marcus Smart injured. I want to say everywhere on his entire body, quad, knee. Yeah. Had the shoulder stinger as well, where I guess he like he was dislocated and he went to the the locker room and they like lethal weapon popped it back into its socket or something. Um, Rob Williams with the nut tap where, you know, just got a, a brutal, you know, knock to the, uh, you know, the meat and two veg there. And it seemed like he was pretty out of sorts. And then, of course, the Jalen hamstring as well. Jackson, do you think is any of those injuries in particular that, that might hamper us throughout this season and beyond or this series and beyond? If, if they persist, yeah, all of them pretty equally. Like, I think smart going out special. would would really suck. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if that's what happened, if he had his arm popped down and just popped it back in, like, isn't that, like, just a fucking no-no to keep playing on? Like, do you need to have, like, that looked at or whatever? Or is this something you can just sort of tough guy and get through and no, no problem? I don't know. I've always only ever had, like, lower body issues, ankles, knees, etc. Um, yeah. I think Marcus Smart probably has his own, like, injury rule book uh, the, the medical team probably have a big thick book for like the team and the protocols for like you know yeah. like someone gets hit in the, in the nuts for example and then a thicker <laughs> book for Marcus Smart which has like studies on his unique like body and physical makeup and like how to act accordingly yeah. it's like a completely different thing that like defies medical science so I don't yeah, don't pull him out of the game unless he's down a limb yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely like that, yeah. yeah unless he's unconscious basically um the Jalen hamstring, I think, for me, is the thing. Like, we love and trust Marcus Smart, and we've seen him get these seemingly debilitating injuries and then just, like, come back out, and he's, like, the same Marcus Smart diving on the floor, you know, that we've always known and loved. The hamstring injury, Jalen Brown, with the exception of that insane put-back dunk over Giannis, where another moment where I was like, Celtic mm. 4, the hamstring's looking good. <laughs> he's dunking over yeah. Giannis again. <laughs> You know, uh, that's on your, like, Celtics-Bucks bingo card as well as Jalen Brown dunking over Giannis Antetokounmpo. We had that, and yet then he kind of, like, regressed again and went back to his... That was that stretch early in the season for the Celtics where Jalen came back, like, too early from that hamstring pain. Kind of looked like that all game. So, 
to me, that's like the lingering thing that sort of bothers me uh, going into this series, the rest of the series. I wonder if it was just, you know, he was just having that poor of a game. Maybe like mentally, he like was was putting it onto his onto his hamstring. And I'm not saying he was faking it or anything, or he like somehow like mentally like made it injure itself or whatever. But do you know what I'm saying? If you're just having a bad game, like here's put it this way: if I airball a free throw, I'm going. Like, not that I heard it then, but I'm just acting like, you know, ah, oh, shit, there's something wrong with my hand. It's like, you know, all right, here we go. This <laughs> yeah, will be better. I do that. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <me>. maybe he's <laughs> just, maybe just when you have like a, a four for fucking 18 game or whatever it was that he shot, um, you know, he's just like, ah, oh, fucking hamstring hurts. But yeah, yeah if, if if he can't, if if that if it's genuine and genuinely bothering him and he can't go full game and he can't perform at his level, then yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be very bad. Probably that one would, would suck. I almost, almost as much as smart, but... Yeah, you don't want either of them. Yeah, just get through game two, win game two, take the three days off or whatever it is. Everyone recovers. Al Horford regains the ability to, to guard Giannis again. We fix Jalen's <laughs> hamstring. We should have led with this in the uh, everything's going to be okay segment, but everything everything's going to be okay. All right. We had to mentally like get there in the ro- the roadmap of our minds. So, yeah. yeah that's, I feel like that's what... <laughs> we have a foolproof plan now. That's all we ever do on this podcast. All right, I'm going to wrap this up. I have to go to bed. I am. I'm really zoning out here. Apologies, Jackson, and, and anyone listening. A couple of Reddit points right, to uh, <laughs> to tune out here with, uh, or to to end here with. I might be true. Thing says. Feel like we needed this wake up call. Time for Eme to watch some film and make some drastic changes on the offensive end. I still believe season six cuss cries. And then a post from CA Mini. Um, and this is the other end of podcast point that you already. Um, touched on Jackson. Tuesday is a must-win game. They go on to say, can't go down two and then go to Milwaukee. The team needs to respond. Jalen was getting laughed at by some bucks at the end. I didn't see that, but wouldn't be surprised. He needs to show up. So, Jackson, predictions, like like specific predictions for game two, how do you think it's going to play out? A win in the same fashion like Brooklyn game two. Probably fall down again by 15 start to fear the end and then Tatum and everyone else turns up and we win by about like six or so. Yeah, I think it's some form of figuring it out and then going back to Milwaukee with that momentum like, we figured you out, good luck. Even if we're on your home court, we don't care. We know how to play you. We figured you out. We'll see. Everything's going to be all right, people. That is going to do it for this one. Game two, the redemption game is right around the corner. Spoons and Jay will be on deck for the post-game pod after that one. Jackson, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Thank you, man. Thank you for staying up. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. (laughs) Getting through it. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.